Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. We all said together, you may be seated in the name of the Lord, the upgrade, the upgrade. If I can draw your attention to verse number nine that says, when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And let, and Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible. I know we all come from different backgrounds and different places. I know not everybody has the same Sunday school background experience. I don't know how you were taught. I don't know exactly what all you know, but I'm going to give you some information this morning in the hopes that it will edify you and bless you. I don't know how clear you are in your knowledge that there are two guys that operate around the same time with names that are very similar. One guy named Elijah, the other guy named Elisha. I would assume that there are many of you that do know that. You're watching around the world. You're familiar with your Bible. Although, it would not be far-fetched for me to assume that you're way more familiar with Elijah than you are with Elisha. Elijah is who we have a tendency to talk a lot about. When Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah. Elijah is who we have a tendency to talk a lot about. When when we talk about the anointing, when the prophecy is given about John the Baptist, the prophecy is he is going to walk around with the anointing of the prophet Elijah. And so Elijah is someone that is revered and respected and thought about and talked about. Elijah is really the first iteration of the real powerful prophetic ministry in the Old Testament. When the Spirit of God rested on somebody, you can make an argument that the Spirit of God rested on Elijah in a way that had never rested on any other prophet before him. And so Elijah's name is spoken with much reverence and much respect, and we have a great, awesome view of Elijah. And I get that, and I understand it, and I love that, and I'm not trying to throw any shade on it. But it's interesting to me that if you actually read the Word and actually study the Bible and actually look at the actual text, you will find that when it comes to miracles, when it comes to work, when it comes to what God accomplished, Elisha far exceeded the work that Elijah did. Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit and Elisha gets the double portion. He asks for the double portion, and he gets the double portion. And even though he gets that double portion, even though when you look at the ministry of Elisha, the ministry of Elisha is significantly different. It's similar, but it's significantly different than the ministry of of Elijah and Even though that is the case, and we have biblical, historical data to state that, there's something about us that likes Elijah. There's something about us, especially in the church world, when church folk, when religious folk, when God is communicating to religious folk, he says he's going to operate in the spirit of Elijah because the reverence around Elijah is greater than the reverence around Elisha. 
it's similar to Moses and Joshua. Moses is the first iteration of this deliverer. Moses is the one who brings the law. Moses is the one that brings them out of Egypt through the wilderness and Joshua, if you really study the scriptures and really look at it, you'll notice that Joshua was, Joshua's ministry and Joshua's leadership is by far exceedingly successful. Exceedingly, Joshua, and I remember when I went to Israel, and, and, and bear with me, I'm trying to make a point. When we, I went to Israel, and the, the guy that was teaching us, the, the rabbi guy that was teaching us, said to us that I'm going to make a, I'm going to help you all, you Christians, to understand how to make the connection between Jesus and Moses. Because Moses is who we have a tendency to see in a great way and to respect in a great way. Although, really, Jesus and Joshua, their names both mean the same thing. Because Joshua means salvation, and Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And so it would almost make sense to say, I'm going to bring make this great connection between Joshua and Jesus. But we have a tendency to be in love with the first iteration, which is Moses. Be, even though, if we're able to be honest, Moses brought them out, but Joshua brought them in. And the anointing to get you out is very different than the anointing to get you in. The anointing to break the demonic off of you is different than the anointing to establish something in the earth. To establish something in your life. There's a different kind of anointing. Not trying to throw no shade on it. But there's a different kind of anointing that breaks you free from slavery than the anointing that now makes you rich. And the reason why I'm making such a big deal of it is because there's a part of us, even to this day, and in an apostolic anointing, in an apostolic sense, I'd like to continue to correct a misperception and a mistake that we have continually made. We have a tendency to be more in love with the first iteration of a move because it's very spiritual and not focus on the second iteration of a move which has a tendency to be very natural. It's easy to be in love with Moses and the law because Moses is on the mountain with his hands up praising while Joshua is in the valley with a sword in his hand fighting. We love the worship, but don't necessarily love the fight. We want to be up on the mountaintop and say hallelujah, but we don't necessarily want to get our hands dirty and actually get down in the muck and the mud and actually fight for the thing that actually is required. We don't necessarily want to do that. We want to say, this is how I fight my battle, and we want to fight our battle in a spiritual way without acknowledging that, yes, that's the first iteration, but the second iteration of a move of God actually impacts the earth. I want you to believe God for that. I want you in the room to believe God for that. I want you that are watching around the world to believe God for that. I want you to have trust and faith in God. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. I, I want you to have faith to believe that the God you serve isn't just somebody that can break you out of slavery, but he's actually somebody that can bless you in the land. I got to get you to believe it because if I can't get you to believe it, then we can't take it. Because it really wasn't Moses, what Moses was trying to do. What Moses was trying to do was take them all the way into the land. But the problem was it's hard to make victors out of victims. It's hard to make an army out of folk with a slave mentality. And they're 
perspective about God was a slave mentality after 400 years of being enslaved to the Egyptians. It's difficult after four, five, six generations of slavery. It is difficult to now see God as more than just a deliverer and to now see God as someone that can help you and use you to establish dominion in the earth. Two totally different perspectives. And as a result of that, they don't get to see the land. If you're familiar with your Bible, they don't get to see the land. It's not just that Joshua is the one that takes them in. Joshua takes their children in. Everybody in that generation had to die because they were stuck on a perspective about God that was just spiritual. They had enough faith to pray for deliverance, but didn't have enough faith to believe that God could lead them into victory when it came time to fight the Canaanites. They believed God to deliver them from Egypt and from slavery, but had a struggle believing that that guy, that that same God could lead them in war. Let me get back to my subject that I'm trying to focus on this morning. In a sense, it's a little bit a part of the difference between Elijah and Elisha. Just bear with me. Bear with me. Elijah and Elisha. Part of the reason why we like Elijah is because Elijah has this personal friendship relationship with God. Elijah is a very loner kind of guy. Elijah is just a him and God kind of guy. Elijah is someone that has a lot of personal conversations just with the Lord. Elijah is someone that ravens bring him meat. Elijah is someone that, that, that there's a drought that he speaks there's a drought, and then Elijah is someone that is sustained by God in the middle of the drought. Whereas Elisha is a different kind of guy. If you know your Bible, you know that in 1 Kings, Elijah takes on Ahab and Jezebel and the prophets of Baal. Come on, nod at me. Say something to me. God, the prophets of Baal, this is the altar, and the fire falls out of the sky and burns up the sacrifice. After that happens, Elijah slays. He says to them, grab the prophets of Baal. They kill the prophets of Baal. Jezebel ain't happy about it. And Jezebel says, you're dead. When the queen tells him, you're dead, the guy, Elijah, that called fire down out of heaven to consume a sacrifice, runs away. He is, as anointed as he is, he's a bit intimidated by royalty. As, as anointed as he is, he's not trying to shade on him, please. I'm just trying to get us to understand that there's different iterations of the move of God. The Elijah has such a relationship with God, he can go and get in a cave and sits alone with God because Elijah is way more of a loner kind of guy. And the Lord appears to him and says, what are you upset about? And he says, I've been zealous and I've been doing right for you and I've been preaching right and I've been doing all the right stuff for church. And now the royalty, the king, the political system, the system in place, the demonic, secularized, worshiping another God, worshiping false idols, worshiping a system that makes no sense. Much church, much praise, much hallelujah, as much anointing as we have, we're intimidated by a secular agenda that is governmentally pushed. Can I just make us relate to it just a little bit? We will be in here and shout and sing and holler and talk and say what all God's going to do, but to be halfway afraid to actually open up our mouths and state something that we all know to be true. 
because there is a political agenda behind it. And make no mistake, the political agenda is a secular agenda. But we are almost intimidated to say something about it and want to run away and tell God about it. And the Lord appears to Elijah. Jah and says to him, yeah, I got you, Elijah. You my man. I love you. I know exactly how you are. Let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go down here and grab this guy named Elisha. Because even though his name is like yours, he's a different kind of cat. He's actually what's next. He's what's next, and what's next is the upgrade. Now, I know, I know, I know that like me, many of you were raised by somebody that almost halfway want to make you feel bad if you got the nerve to believe that you can do better. It's almost like I don't know who you think you are and you are thinking of yourself way too highly and way too big and you done got all in yourself and you done gone up to that fancy school and they done made you think this and now you think you something and now you think you know something because they're intimidated by the idea that the second generation might want a double portion. And let me tell you something right now. I love my parents. I love the denomination I came out of, kind of. I love them. I love what I came out of, but if you ask me, Andy Thompson, and some folk don't like this, some folk are upset about it, and hate on me, hater, be feel, feel free to hate all you want. But if you ask me what I want, I want double what whoever had before me. I want double for the trouble they gave me. I want double for how I had to put up with them. I want double for what the devil's tried to do. I want double. I don't want what they had. I want a double portion of whatever was on them. What I see in them, I want double. Happens to me all the time. No matter where I am, no matter where I go, somebody comes up to me and says to me, you Gilbert's boy, because my daddy is a no-joke somebody. My daddy is a powerful, popping, anointed bishop in his denomination, and he is preached around the world, and he is a serious guy, and I almost can't go nowhere without somebody coming up to me and saying, you Gilbert's boy, ain't you? Ain't you Gilbert's boy? And I say, yep, I'm Gilbert's boy. You doubt, no doubt about it. They're like, I knew you were. And I said, yep. And I hug them and greet them. No respect. But as they turn away, I say, but I'm the upgrade. Oh, help us. I am him. He is. I am his son, but I am the 2.0 version. I need a witness in it. I am the 2.0. I am him, but I'm double what he is. I. If you liked him, you going to really like me. If you like him, get a load of me. If you like his preaching, you better turn me on because I'm standing on his shoulders and I should be better than him. Ain't nothing disrespectful about it. Whatever he did, if you know my daddy, and now listen, and he, my mama's watching. I don't know if my daddy's watching, but if you know my daddy, you know my daddy is a prayer warrior. My daddy is a get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and pray every day. My daddy is a tear down the stronghold. My daddy is a sit in his seat and rock and pray and call on God. My daddy is a Moses. I love that about him. But the challenge is that sometimes we want the next generation to be just like us. We are honored by imitation instead of understanding that what really ought to happen is the next generation ought to have an even greater perspective. What you thought was money, they don't think is money. And you are a fool to shake your VHS tape at them and tell them this is the way to watch a movie. I think the point I'm trying to make to you is that Elisha is the upgrade. Elisha asks for a double portion and gets the double portion. When Elijah finds Elisha, Elisha is working business. 
Elisha is running 12 teams of oxen. He can't run 12 teams of oxen by himself. That means that he is managing people. Now the 12th one, he's running himself just to show that he still knows how to get down in the dirt and do it. But when Elijah finds Elisha, Elisha is not somewhere praying. Elisha is somewhere making money. So Elisha's perspective about the king is very different than Elijah's perspective about the king. When you read Elisha, you will see that Elisha ain't scared of no kings. You got to be careful with Elisha because where Elijah can be humble and quiet and run away and pray, Elisha will call a bear down out the mountain to kill somebody. I just want to speak this over the room, whoever is saying, I'm next, I'm next, Pastor Andy, I'm next. And I couldn't be a Christian the way they wanted me to be a Christian because their way of me being a Christian was for me to be a punk and to keep quiet and take their junk and take their mess and take their noise and don't stand up for myself and don't say nothing. But I believe that the same anointing of God for Elijah, the chariot of fire takes him to heaven. For Elijah, the chariots of fire surround him as an army to defend him from somebody that got the nerve to attack him. I'm going to speak that right now over this whole room. It's a whole nother kind of story. As a matter of fact, I believe that as a result of Elisha's influence in Elijah's life, because Elijah's in a tough place, he's in a bad place, he's in a depressed place, and the answer for him is Elisha. And the next time you see fire called down out of heaven by Elijah, he's not calling it down on a sacrifice. He's calling it down on a threat. Because Elijah and Elisha are so anointed and so prophetic that they're telling the king how to be. And so now what is happening is the enemy is mad at the prophetic because the prophetic isn't running the country but guiding the country. And so now the attack comes against the prophetic and Elijah with Elisha standing next to him. And I can just hear Elisha saying, no, we ain't running this time, Pop. No, not this time. We ain't running. Whoever they send, we're going to handle them. You read it. It's right there in the first, in the very beginning of 2 Kings. They send a, a captain with 50 men to arrest Elijah and Elisha. And I can just hear Elisha saying, let me tell you what to say, Pop. Let me tell you what to tell him. And Elijah gets up and says, if I'm a man of God, may fire fall out of heaven and consume you and all your men. And that's exactly what happens. I, I don't know about you, but I like power like that. I like power where I might call fire down. Oh, I wish I had. You better be careful who you talk about. You better keep your lips off the anointed. Not just because God will get you, but I might not be for you. This is Pastor Andy right here. That's my dad. You want my dad? Go find my daddy. My daddy will pray for you. Me, I'll lay holy hands. My daddy might turn the cheek. What cheek I turn, I do not know. I, my daddy might love you and pray for you. Me. Anybody that know me. Me, I'm going to pray that I don't lay hands on you in a violent way. Help us, Holy Ghost. And Elijah calls fire down. They send another 50 men with another captain. Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, may fire fall down and consume you and your men. Fire falls down and consumes them and their men. The king says, let's send the third guy. When the third guy comes, the third guy comes in a whole different attitude. Third guy comes and says, hey, listen. The third guy comes on bended knee. The third guy comes and says, listen, we are your servants. Please don't kill us. Please stop calling fire down. See, we only want fire on sacrifice. 
That's what we were taught. We were taught one iteration of the move of God. You even see it in these miracles. My God, run out of time. But this is good. This is good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to spend this much time, but it's so good. I'm just trying to talk to whoever's next. I'm believing for an Elisha anointing on every one of us in this room. I break you free from whatever confines or strictures they put on you generationally. They halfway scared you're going to suppress them. They halfway scared you're going to have more money than them. They halfway scared you're going to have more power than them. They halfway intimidated by the gifting and the anointing and the potential that's on you because if you get bigger than them, they can't tell you what to do no more. I'm believing God for an Elisha anointing on all of us in this room. You even see it, beloved, even in these two miracles. Because what we're looking for is a miracle of provision. A miracle of provision. I want everybody to get that in their spirit. I want you watching around the world to get this in your spirit. I want you in the room to get this in your spirit. Understand that a part of how miracles happen is not just healing bodies. It's not just casting out demons. God can work a miracle and provide for you in a way that you have not been provided for before. Now, we see a miracle of provision with Elijah. Let me show you to you. It's in 1 Kings 17, okay? Real, real quick. Y'all, you probably know the story because in, in, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah has a brook that dries up. And it says the word of the Lord came to him and said, go to Zarephath and the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a woman there, a widow there, to supply you with food. He went to Zarephath. He came to the town gate. A widow, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may drink? This is Elijah. Jah. This is Jah. Says as she was going to get it, he said, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering these few sticks to take home and make a meal for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you said, but make me a cake first. First, make a loaf of bread for me first. Seek the kingdom first. And everything else will be added. Get, do, something for the, do something for the kingdom first. And then make something for yourself and your son. Because let me tell you what's about to happen. The jug, the, the, the flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So, in essence, what has happened is there's a drought because Elijah has said it ain't going to rain till I say. And so there's a drought. And so as a result of there not being enough resources, not enough jobs, not enough money, not enough opportunities, not enough men, not enough of whatever it is that you're experiencing a drought in, he says, you make me a cake first and your flour and your oil will not be used up until the drought is over. And it's an amazing miracle of provision. And it's the miracle of provision that we talk the most about. Because it's Elijah. And I love it. And it's awesome. And it's amazing. And it teaches us a lesson that obedience in faith brings provision through the drought. Obedience in faith brings provision through the drought. So he gives her something to do in faith, she does it in faith, and a miracle of provision happens that sustains her through the drought. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's powerful. But it's the first iteration. It's the first iteration. In 2 Kings, now let's look at Elisha. Y'all with me? Let's look at Elisha. In Elisha you see a very similar miracle done. It's 
The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cries out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. Hey, you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. It's, it's different right from the beginning because the widow of Zarephath is a Gentile, whereas this is a widow who is the wife of a church somebody. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. So Elisha is already taking care of the previous generation who was more spiritual than practical because how are you a prophet and you die in debt how are you somebody that reveres the lord but you're dead and now you're two boys in the first miracle it's just one son but the two boys now this is double portion this is double portion now the two boys are in debt the two boys are about to be slaves because as much as he revered the Lord, he still died broke. I'm just going to let this marinate in all of us for just a second because it's the first iteration. It's what we were taught to have all the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, this man who died is the company of the prophets. This is his wife, his widow. He is the wife of a, this is the wife of a prophet. And as prophetic as he was, Tyrus, she still is in trouble financially. We don't talk about this. We don't talk about this. We just don't. We don't. Because we don't halfway have an expectation for the prophetic to bless us in the earth. I don't know if anybody's ever come to try to convince you that they have all this prophecy on them and they are so prophetic. They are so prophetic. Oh, folk love to claim the prophetic because the prophetic. Let me tell you why folk claim to be prophets so much. Folks claim to be prophets so much because it's an easy way to give somebody a word without any discipline. Instead of you having to put the work in to study and show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed and know the word like you see I know the word right now, you can just walk up on somebody and say, well, the Spirit is telling me to tell you, run for it, run for it. And everybody wants to be a prophet because it's easy. Everybody wants to be a prophet because they want folk to respect them in the supernaturally. There's a whole, most folk who claim they're prophetic are just people who are so insecure that they're trying to get somebody to feel a way about them that they really don't deserve to be felt about. And the easiest way for that is for them to claim some kind of Holy Ghost gifting that they really don't have. And when they come to me to give me a word, my question to them most of the time is, if you're so prophetic, why are you so broke? If you're so prophetic, why your life a mess? If God tell you what Cheerios to eat, not honey nut this morning, baby. I want you to eat the grape nut Cheerios. If you like that with God, then why are you so busted up? Why you got a word for me in your life raggedy? What make you think I need a word from you? As a matter of fact, the Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather in sober judgment, according to the measure of faith that God gives you. You really shouldn't be trying to give a prophetic word to somebody who's on a whole nother level than you. It's out of order. You're really not in a position to give me a word. You're really not in a position to lay hands. I'm not trying to be any kind of way, but you're just not. I don't let nobody really lay hands on me. Because the blessing flows down. I don't know how you're going to anoint and blessing come up and how you think you're going to lay hands on me. Somebody rolled on me the other day. I got a word for you in the airport. I got a word for you. Oh, Pastor Andy, so good to see you. I got a word. I got a word. I got a word for you. I said, okay, don't touch me. That's exactly what I said. I said, okay, because you don't know what kind of spirit. The Bible says test the spirits. 
No, this is a word for somebody because we got all kinds of prophetic folk all in our family. Your auntie thinks she's a prophet. Your auntie ain't no prophet. Your auntie is a frustrated black woman that don't nobody listen to her. And so now she thinks she's going to get somebody to listen to her just because she claimed a prophetic. She ain't prophetic. I know you don't want to say it, but it's the truth. She ain't got a lick of prophecy. Oh, I had a dream. It's like, thank you, auntie. This guy said, I got a word. It was a man. I got a word for you. I got a word, Pastor Andy. I got a word. He even walked slower. At least, I got a word. I got a word. I said, okay. He said, I said, no. I said, don't touch me. Don't. Keep your hands to yourself and you never get in trouble. And just because these armor bearers ain't here don't mean you won't get your whooped. So keep your hands to yourself. Don't let these armor bearers fool you. Don't let it fool you. This is a shot over here. Put your hands on me if you want. Anyway, so he comes in. I got a word. I got a word. I said, okay, what's your word? He said, the devil's mad at you. I said, really? Wow. Why is he mad at me? Because you're telling everybody the truth, uh, and you're giving everybody a special uh, a power of God on you. And I said, well, I have a word for you. He said, speak it. I said, the devil's mad at you. He mad at you for telling me he mad at me. And now he mad at me for telling you that he mad at you for telling me he mad at me. If you're going to give me a word, can you give me something I don't see in the Bible? The Bible says that the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but that God has come that I'll have life and that more abundantly. I, I didn't say that to him. I just said, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Can I pray for you? I said, no, just pray in your own time. What I'm saying to you is, this is the wife of a prophet in debt. So Elisha says, all right, I'm going to do a miracle for somebody who is stuck. And I, I'm going to believe this. I'm, I'm about to do a miracle of provision for somebody who your future financially, your present financially, and your future financially, and even your financial perspective about God and church has been tainted by a previous generation that was more earthly, that was so heavenly minded, they were no earthly good. I know it took a long time for that to come out, but let me just let me just speak that over you. That you had somebody who almost made you think that being broke was virtuous. It's almost like too much success must mean you doing something wrong. You must have done sold out. If you God blessing your life, if it's blessing, they wonder if the blessing is really a devil. And even if they acknowledge that it's God, it's only God because of his grace. She says, my husband's dead. His creditors are here and about to make my son slaves. Elisha says, well, what do you got? What you got? What, what do you have in your house? She said, I got a jar of olive oil. There was olive oil in the first story. First widow said, I got flour and olive oil. I'm going to make a cake and I'm going to die. Elisha says, what you got? She said, I have a jar of oil. He says, all right, all right, tell you what. Go borrow pots, not a few. Go to your neighbors because in the second iteration, you can work with people. In the second iteration, the community gets to see it. In the second generation, the miracle is not just God. The miracle is also something that folk get to be a part of. And so he says, I want you to go talk to your neighbors because in the second iteration, you shouldn't be so Holy Ghost filled that you don't talk to your neighbors. In the first iteration, we had a whole lot of rude Holy Ghost filled people that didn't nobody like and didn't talk to people. But he's saying, you got a good relationship with your neighbors? She says, yeah. He says, good. Go to your neighbors and borrow jars. Don't ask for a few. Get as many jars as you can. 
She goes and does it. He says, all right, now, go in, the dirt, go in your house, close your door, you and your sons, and pour oil till it runs out. And she starts pouring oil and filling up jars. You know, one of the things I think about in this story is I wonder if she borrowed as many pots as she could have. I wonder if in the middle of pouring oil, she thought to herself, oh, my God, there's a miracle of provision that's taking place. I should have got more pots than this. I didn't know what this crazy man of God was trying to tell me to do. I hope she borrowed as many pots as she could. She starts pouring oil, and oil fills up every jar she's got. The The oil doesn't stop flowing until she runs out of pots. This miracle of provision don't have nothing to do with the drought. This miracle of provision has to do with how much faith you got. Oh, my God. This miracle of provision has to do with what you believe God for and what you'll open up your mouth and speak and what you believe he can actually do in your house. This ain't got nothing to do with COVID. This ain't got nothing to do with the system. This ain't got nothing to do with who's president, baby. This got to do with can you believe God? That oil didn't run out till her faith ran out. I pray that there'll be an anointing that will match your faith in the name of Jesus. I pray that the oil won't run out until your faith is. I pray that you will borrow so many pots and have so many streams of revenue and so many side hustles and so many jobs and so many doors that you'll believe that God's oil will pour. It don't just pour in the church. The anointing is a pot-filling anointing. Can I get a witness in here? Anybody believe what I'm saying? He says the oil don't run out till the pots run out. I pray your pots are, I pray you got pots around. I pray you ready to get some pots around you and believe God that his anointing will run till your pots run out. I don't plan to run out of pots till y'all put me in the ground. She pours oil, and the pots fill, and the anointing of God happens, and the blessing takes place. There's a power of God that happens in the presence of God in this moment. They borrow pots, not a few, and the anointing takes place, and God comes in, and the way happens. And God moves, and this power falls, and his anointing comes, and it rests on them in the name of Jesus. 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 You know. No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Sometimes, beloved, you know what? The passion that I have for God's presence and for his people is so overwhelming that I bear can, can hold it in. It's like I'm trying to give you everything I got to lead you and guide you into truth. That this anointing that I'm about to release on you, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That this anointing that I'm going to release on you, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to give you an impartation. It's enough to pay your debts, and it's enough for you to live on afterwards. Can I speak that over your life right now? It's enough. It's enough not just to pay your 
predators off. And I pray debt-free in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to believe. Debt-free in the name of Jesus. I want you to speak debt-free in Jesus' name. But not only are they debt-free after this, but also she has enough to live on for the rest of her life. This second iteration, beloved, is an anointing that destroys the yoke of poverty off of you in Jesus' name. Now, y'all go, go back. I'm good. Good. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Because I, I got something I got to do. I know. I lost it for just a second. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Now, I want you to put your hands up just a little bit, not too much, because I'm going to pray a blessing on you. God, I pray right now for your anointing that destroys the yoke. I pray that you will move by your spirit over us. I pray that your glory would be revealed in usward. I pray that this second iteration of the move of God will happen in us, in this room, and in everyone watching around the world. I pray, God, that you will pour oil on us like never before. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on these people. On everyone in the room, on everyone watching, God, work a miracle of provision on our behalf. Because, God, we don't want just to be delivered from the enemy. We want to take the land. We don't just want to be delivered from the hand of the enemy. We want to take possession of Canaan. We don't just want a blessing that will see us through whatever drought we're dealing with right now. We want a blessing that will set up our children's children's children. Let your glory be revealed in us. Let your power fall when your name is called. Use us for your glory. And we'll praise you for what you do, what you say. You're so worthy. In Jesus' name. We all said together, put your hands together if you're believing God for that. Now, I want everybody to sit down for just a second. Sit down for just a minute. The devil is a liar. Now, beloved, this morning, we gave you one of these little cards called Victory Park. Do you have one? If you don't have one, I want you to raise your hands because we want to make sure you have one of these little Victory Park cards. If you're watching around the world right now, it's about to pop up on your screens. It's a little Victory card. It's a little Victory Park uh, QR code that we want you to be connected to. There's a reason why I preach this message with this kind of passion and, 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 and forgot to breathe and I'm good. But, but the reason why is because, beloved, hear me. I want a double portion. Anybody want a double portion? I want a double portion. I want a double portion. Meaning, I don't just want something that's going to affect us in a church way. I want something that's going to affect us in a community way. So what I'm trying to build is not just a church. It wouldn't cost this much if I was just trying to build a church. I'm, I'm trying to build something more than just a church. I'm trying to build this, this Victory Park. It is a community center. There's going to be basketball courts on it and athletic stuff on it and, and counseling center in it and guidance counseling in it and, and economic development in it. Oh, my God, the vision I have 
is not just a spiritual vision. It's not just Elijah, it's Elisha. It's something that works with the political and has partnerships and connections and relationships. It's, it's bigger than just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's Jesus, but it's also let's make partnerships and connections and let's do something great. And I need you to make a pledge for us to break ground. Now, I had a meeting with the leadership, and I'm having a meeting with all of you. I'm supposed to do this last Sunday. I'm definitely going to do it today. And even those of you that are watching around the world, I need you to make a pledge. In the next 90 days, we need $2 million in the next 90 days. We need $2 million in the next 90 days. It's really not that hard for us to get it, considering how large we are. Okay? And so... If we get this $2 million in the next 90 days, and, and beloved, World Overcomers, Pastor Andy, I have always worked with black banks. And I'm not trying to just be some kind of way, but I've always, I've always had a relationship with the black bank here in the area, and I'm still working with the black banks to this day. A part of the reason why we haven't broke ground was because I wanted a black bank to do our deal. And so I finally have gotten, my, we have finally got into a serious relationship with a black bank that can handle the deal. And so we are about to break ground. And we, we haven't broke ground yet, but we're about to break ground. And we just need $2 million to break ground. If we raise $2 million by April, we can break ground in May and we'll be well on our way to be getting ready to get into this building. Amen? And so when you take a picture of this QR code, it's going to take you to a website in which it's going to allow you to make a pledge at several levels. You can pledge between two dollars and $5,000 in this next phase two. In phase one, we bought the land. We paid for all the plans. We paid for all of the... We're, we're on our way. We purchased the land. All the plans have already been done and paid for. The, the, we, we're doing this thing with choke, the construction stuff. It's all there. That's what we did in phase one. Now phase two is us simply breaking ground and getting this thing up in the air. For us to do it, we need to make this sacrifice above and beyond your tithes and your offerings. We need you to make a pledge. And so you can pledge from $2,000, $1,000. If you make a pledge of $2,000, your name will be on a plaque that will be on this wall in the main lobby of the sanctuary. We'll put as many names on there as you give $2,000. You want your grandmama's name on there? It'll be on there. You want your uncle's name on there? You give another $2,000, we'll put that name on there. Okay? The more you give, the bigger a plaque, the bigger a space you'll get. But you, we've got several levels of givers. And you can see, you'll see it all when you scan this QR code. You'll be able to write online, make your pledge. You'll even be able to set it up so that it comes out of your account without you having to do it. Just like you automate your mortgage, you will be able to automate your pledge so you can give to the work of the kingdom of God. It's going to take all of us together to do it. It's not Pastor Andy's vision, it's our vision. It's not Pastor Andy's church, it's our church. It's not Elder Paul's church, it's our church. It's all of us coming together, amen? That's kind of weak, amen? Quite honestly... I'm not really afraid of it. I'm really excited about it. I'm really pumped about it because I'm pumped about the vision, but also because this isn't something that we've done a lot. We haven't done a whole lot of this. We haven't done ceiling tile offerings and chair offerings and carpet offerings and Pastor Andy's special needs new sneakers offering. We haven't done that. We have mostly, we have just done our tithes and offerings and did what we needed to do. This is really the first time that we now are about to take possession of the land. We own this land, beloved. It's right on 70. If you, it's right in our community. I believe that this place is going to be a light in the darkness. It's, to me, it's going to be a place that never closes. To me, it's going to be a place where young men can walk up on there and get up on that property and get all kinds of help. Lives go to a whole nother level. And so, 
when you scan the QR code, it will t take you to a place where you can donate between two and five thousand. If you if you can give me two thousand dollars right now without even feeling it, then that's not a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that you're like, ooh, man, I might not be able to get a chicken sandwich for a while after I give that. Ooh, wow, I may not be able to get the new iPhone 80. Ooh, wow, I might not be able to go to Starbucks for a couple of weeks. I may have to just drink some water. Ooh, wow, wow I may have to do my hair myself for a little bit. Let me go have a conversation with this man. Let him know he's about to look at a fro because we made a pledge <laughs> to Victory Park. You can make a pledge between two to five. You can make a pledge even more than that. You'll see all of those numbers when you get on the, on the actual site. I need 10 people to give me 25,000, 25 people to give me 10,000, 25 people to give me 7,500, 500 people. I need 500 people to pledge 5,000 and 500 people to pledge 2,000. If we do that, that's $2 million. I've already got people that are, that are making pledges of 25,000. I've already got people that are making pledges of 10, people that are making pledges of 7,500. I need 500 people to give $5,000 over the next three months. I need 500 people to give $2,000 over the next three months. If you do that, we'll, we'll hit this number. And not only do we need it, but the bank needs to see us come together. They need to know that we're behind the project. If you know anything about banks, you know they want to know what skin you got in the game. Amen? Amen? It's almost perfect to actually do this on a rainy Sunday because y'all must be the real saints in the room. But not just in the room, everyone watching around the world and around the area. If you are a member of World Overcomers, we need you to take a picture of that QR code and we need you to give a pledge. We need you to make a pledge. We need you to do it today. We need you to sit down with your wife, with your husband, with yourself, with your kids, and you need to make a decision, okay, what am I giving? Everybody ought to be able to pledge at least $1,000. $1,000 over three months, that ain't even no money. It's $300, $350 a month. $350 a month is, it's, what is it, a week? It's not, even, it's not even $100 a week. It's your lunch. $1,000 is nothing. I know it sounds like a lot to you, but it's really not. It's so quiet in here. You can write in the comments, watching a line, you can say, yeah, Pastor Andy, you're right. It's not. It's not a lot. It's not anything. It's a small thing. It's a little thing. To be able to say, all right, I'm going to pledge $1,000. I'm going to pledge $2,000. I'm going to pledge $5,000. I'm going to pledge $7,000. I'm going to pledge $10,000. And then I'm going to sacrifice. And when you do that... You open up a door for God to bless you in a way that is not normal. I'm going to speak that over everybody right now. I want you to have faith. I want you to have faith. God will bless you in a way. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself with opportunities that you didn't have because God will have to provide for you to be able to walk in the faith that you have in Him to give to the work of the kingdom of God because what you're a part of is bigger than the part you play. The part you play, but what you're a part of is bigger than that. And it adds a meaning to your life when what you're a part of is bigger than the part that you play. If you're only living for shoes and clothes and cars and stuff, it brings an emptiness and a meaninglessness. Beloved, believe me, when we cut the ribbon... When the governor comes, when the mayor comes, when we put, when we take possession of this, but it is going to give all of us a sense of something that we did and something that we provided. It is we are going to be like, yep, there is something that we did together that cannot be taken from us. Amen. Amen. So. 
I need you to take this Victory Park car. We had all these cars that had all the different levels, but at this point now, this one little card will do. You take a picture of this, and it'll take you to the website. It's commonly asked questions that are on there. You can make a pledge, all right? And you can give right now, right, Joe? We can give right now, right now. You can give to the work of the kingdom of God. And so let's take up the second offering right now and let's give to the work of the kingdom of God just right now, just as the start of it. But also, no beloved, I need you to go online. We need you to go take a picture of this QR card. It's on your screen and say, all right, I believe in the vision. I believe in what God is saying. I believe Pastor Andy is a man of God. I believe in the leadership. I believe in the vision that we have. I believe we can impact the next generations to come. If you need an offering envelope, raise your hand because you can give by way of check. Matter of fact, through your bank is the best way for you to do it so that all of the money you give will go to the actual pledge that you make. Amen? But if you need an offering envelope, you can simply raise your hand. And we're going to give to the kingdom right now. You take a picture of that QR code, it'll take you to a place where you can give right now, a one-time gift, and you can give. But what I really need you to do is I need you to make a pledge today. We had this meeting first Wednesday in February, February 1st, and we had an awesome meeting, discussed it. Our next war council meeting is going to be in March, and we're going to talk to you more about where we are. March, right? May. We're going to talk about where we are, but we're going to be having a seed offering for Easter. Okay? Seed offering for Easter. And so we are on our way. And we're believing, God, that we're going to take up the, big off, the biggest offering we've ever taken up on Easter Sunday. And we're going to break ground. And we're going to get going. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for this opportunity that we have to give. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to pledge. Thank you, Lord God, for every one of these prayer cards that's up here this morning. Lord, that we have requests that we're making to you. We have a faith that we have in you. We have a trust that we have in you. Tis so sweet to trust you. And so, God, we're believing right now for a miracle of provision to take place. We're believing for miracles of oil. We're believing, God, for miracles to happen amongst your people in this room, in every room that's watching around the world. May your glory be revealed in us. May your anointing rest on us like never before. Have your way in us. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. And every pledge, everyone that pledges $2,000 or $5,000 or $7,500 or $10,000 or $25,000, Lord, whatever you lay on somebody's heart to give, someone watching around the world, Lord, to fund the work of the kingdom. Lord, we ask that you'll return a blessing on all of us, 30, 60, and 100-fold what we sowed, that not only, God, will it see us through the drought, but, God, it will actually see us through the end of our lives and bless our children. Have your way in us. Kingdom of God, come in us. Will of God be done. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. God bless you as you give. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes you, just go to clapping your hands. Come on. As the bucket passes you, just clap your hands. As the bucket passes you, just clap your hands. As the buckets pass you, just if it hasn't gotten to you yet, just start clapping your hands. Yep, let's just keep clapping. We're thanking God. This is our praise to God for such a mighty word that he's given us through our senior pastor today. We're thankful. Before we start moving, we want the buckets to complete passing in the sanctuary. Again, if you're here today for the very first time, make sure you stop by the connection point on your way out. All of the young adults who are interested in being a part of the young adult ministry, make sure you stop at the young adult table there. Pastor John Davis is outside. Projects of Hope, you can still sign up today. You can still apply today. Sister Kiosha Street will be at the desk out there for you. 
Those of you who desire fearless and free ladies and in projects of hope, please make sure that you make time next Sunday afternoon, right after morning service, to meet with first in our fellowship hall, which is right to my right, to your left, for those of you who are inside the sanctuary. Did you hear a word of the Lord today that blessed you? Did you hear a word that blessed you today? Amen. Thank God for our senior pastor. We're going to stand at this time, and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the vessel. Thank you for our senior pastor. God, we thank you for strength restoring right now. We thank you for every need being met physically and naturally. God, spiritually, we know you've got him covered. But we thank you, God, for touching his body right now. God, thank you for settling everything, every matter of his heart. God, as he strives to build and lead us in your kingdom. God, we thank you in advance. God, we thank you for divine protection on our senior pastor, his family, and all of us that are connected to him. Now, God, as we leave this place, but not your presence, God, would you go with us? Would you cover us with your blood? God, even those that are getting together at different Super Bowl events this afternoon, God, be present, please. God, let us have no loss, no danger, no harm, no grills catching on fires, no homes having to deal with any type of disaster. God, we pray with understanding that God, as folks would unify today, that people would leave as well as they came with no issues, no hurt, no harm, and no danger. God, we thank you in advance for all that you do for us. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen, amen. Would you hug your neighbor, high five somebody, and tell them it was good to be next to you today. It was good to be next to you today. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.